Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, uh, I ain't got no water. We're going to stay in Texas to look at the impact of the massive heat dome and extreme heat on Texas workers and prisoners. News reports show at least three people have died after working in triple-digit heat. A post office worker in Dallas, a utility lineman in East Texas, and a construction worker in Houston. This comes as the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, just signed into law a law that went into effect July 1st that overrides local ordinances that require mandatory water breaks for workers. Meanwhile, during record heat in June, news reports show 32 people died in Texas prisons, most of which lack air conditioning. None were officially attributed to heat, but they included prisoners in their 30s who died from heart attacks or cardiac arrest in the uncooled prisons as temperatures soared into the triple digits. For more, we go to Dallas, where we're joined by the Texas Observer's special investigative correspondent, Stephen Monticelli, whose recent piece is headlined, Texans Die from Heat. Heat after governor bans mandatory water breaks. Why don't, Stephen, we start right there? Talk about the law that now bans water breaks. So, the ban on water breaks is a part of a larger bill, uh, HB 2127, otherwise known as the Death Star, which it has been dubbed by critics uh, for its capacity to effectively zap any local legislation that is preempted by the bill. The bill preempts local legislation in eight different areas, uh, including labor. And specifically, the bill did mention worker breaks as being subject to this preemption. Now, to be clear, the bill does not actually go into effect until September 1st. But we have already seen uh, a shocking number of deaths amid the record heat wave. Uh, the three that you mentioned, there is at least 11 in a county in Texas where a lot of people did not have air conditioning. And two uh, individuals, a stepfather and his uh, stepson, uh, at a national park. The heat is oppressive and deadly. And Texas has a history of more workers dying on the job due to heat-related illness than pretty much any other state. And so as this bill, um, you know, as we approach the, the date for its uh, coming into effect, uh, a lot of local communities are concerned that the breaks that have been won through passage of legislation in Austin and Dallas, uh, two more liberal cities in the state, those will be rolled back if a uh, lawsuit that's been filed does not put a stay on the bill. 
And could you talk about who are the workers largely affected by this legislation, especially in the cities that you mentioned? Yes. So uh, you had mentioned, Amy had mentioned construction workers being a group of folks that would no longer get these mandatory water breaks. The mandatory water break legislation that was passed in cities like Austin and Dallas and being considered in cities like San Antonio prior to the passage of the Death Star bill effectively forced employers who have workers outside uh, to give them water breaks. And these water breaks had to be mandatory. It was not sort of a discretionary thing that had to be put in place. And the first of these was passed in 2010 in Austin and in Dallas in 2015. And over the, the period of time since, we've seen a dramatic reduction in workplace-related heat illness and heat death. Workplace-related heat, heat illness dropped by 78 percent since 2011. Uh, and workplace-related deaths uh, due to heat um, dropped by half. So, uh, you know, workers such as construction workers, yard workers, uh, post office workers, utility line workers, anyone who has to spend a significant portion of their time outside to get their job done will be impacted by this. Well, Stephen, before we go, we want to ask you about prisoners. What's happening when the heat soars in these prisons that are largely not air-conditioned? Well, they effectively turn into ovens, um, you know, these concrete structures where there is no air conditioning in many of them across the state. Um, they are cooking prisoners alive. Uh, there have been many days in which uh, it is 90 degrees at 3 in the morning. There's very little reprieve for the people who have to sit in these prison cells and face this heat. And the reality is the vast majority of them have not been given death sentences. And, uh, you know, the treatment that they're facing is, frankly, inhumane. And the numbers, uh, news reports show 32 people died in Texas prisons. Yes. Yes, 32. Uh, and Texas prisons are uh, notoriously... They, they, they don't like to give up the records. They're notoriously stingy with the records that they give up. So the exact cause of death for all of these prisoners is as yet uh, unknown um, and still being investigated. But I, I think a very likely contributing cause would be hyperthermia. Stephen Monticelli, I want to thank you for being with us, special investigative correspondent at the Texas Observer. We'll link to your piece, Texans Die from Heat After Governor Bans Mandatory Water Breaks. Medical Apartheid. The Dark History of Medical Experimentation on Black Americans from Colonial Times to the Present. Doctors, nurses, hospitals, and many others are concerned about how the Supreme Court's ruling striking down affirmative action in college admissions could affect the medical profession. Currently, just 5.7 percent of all doctors in the U.S. are black, and nearly 7 percent are Hispanic, while 64 percent are white. Black and Latino applicants still make up a small percentage of those who go to medical school. And there's worry about what this ruling could mean for the pipeline of who eventually provides health care. For more on those concerns, I'm joined by Dr. Utibe Essien. He's an internal medicine physician and assistant professor of medicine at UCLA. Dr. Essien, welcome and thanks for joining us. Before we get into the details of the ruling, I just have to ask, what was your initial reaction when you first heard the Supreme Court's ruling? 
Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Amna. And sadly, while we were expecting this news, it was pretty much a gut punch. And it was really devastating to see that despite years of proof that affirmative action does improve diversity in undergraduate and medical schools, that the court has decided to let go of this decision. And so I was pretty devastated on Thursday. I know a lot of my friends and colleagues were as well. So those numbers we just mentioned in the introduction, that was even with affirmative action in place. Why are those numbers so low? Help us understand. So it's really important to appreciate that this is not just at random, right? Um, a paper that my colleagues and I published led by one of my friends, Dr. Faiz, showed that some of the reasons for the low numbers are related to just the journey towards applying to medical school. So higher rates of med pre-medical school loans and less likelihood to be able to pay for the preparatory materials to be able to get into medical school and even having parents who are less likely to have a college education some of these are factors for what drives Black and Hispanic and Native American lower rates of physicians, um, much less some of the systemic and structural challenges that we have around education here in the U.S. Just to underscore some of those numbers, when you look at the 2022 and 2023 school year in terms of first year enrollees in medical school, these are the numbers we have. Black students made up just 10 percent of first year medical students. Latino students made up just 12 percent of medical school students. But Dr. Essien, you know, a few states, we should point out, had already banned affirmative action at the state level. Did you see an impact in terms of that in those states, in terms of who ends up going to medical school and diversity of those classes? Absolutely. So we're here in California, I am rather, and they banned affirmative action back in 1996. Uh, and we've seen that here in California, the rate of Black and Hispanic individuals going into undergraduate and medical schools really significantly dropped since that ruling in 96. We had a paper that came out last year that showed not just here in California, but in seven other states that had affirmative action bans, the number of individuals from minoritized groups continues to drop in medical schools. And so we have precedence for what is going to happen now that this is federal policy and not national, not just state policy. And it's really devastating for the future of the health of our communities. Help us understand that a little better, though. In medical, in the medical field in particular, why is that diversity of doctors so important in terms of providing health care? Absolutely. I think it's important to realize this is not just a moral imperative, the right thing to do, but that diversity really does save lives. We have studies that show that Having a doctor who looks like you, it makes you more likely to take preventive screenings such as flu vaccines or more likely to go for more invasive procedures like heart catheterizations. Uh, and in a study published back in April, it showed that for every 10% of increase in black primary care doctors within a county, there's a 30-day increase in life expectancy for black individuals. So again, literally having diverse doctors save lives. And my concern is that this policy, this decision is going to take us backwards. So what now, Dr. Essien? We're in a, in a post-affirmative action America. What specific steps can institutions take to still work towards that same diversity in medical schools and the medical profession? It's the question we're all asking right now. There are three things that my colleagues and I kind of put forth in uh, op-ed last week around this. And the first is really um, strengthening holistic review, really focusing on the journey that our patients or our students rather take towards becoming physicians and not wholly focused on the MCAT scores, that test that we take to get into medical school or their GPAs. Um, we have to ensure that those who are reviewing applications actually are anti-racist in their approach and are able to cap 
capture the full breadth of our students' journeys to go towards medicine. And lastly, we have to eliminate some of the economic costs. That test that I mentioned earlier costs $320 to take to get into medical school. Um, those cost of medical school itself is exorbitant. I left school with $250,000 worth of loans. And those are some of the steps that we need to take to be able to increase the diversity of our medical school. In the few seconds I have to, I have to ask you, you know, what's your greatest concern if this problem isn't addressed? You know, as I mentioned, we have a disparities issue in our country. We didn't just see that with COVID, but over the last year, we see a seven-year gap between life expectancy in white Americans and black Americans. My worry is that that gap is going to widen in this post-affirmative action world, and I hope that we'll be able to advocate for the reversal of some of these policies that were just made. Dr. Utibe Essien, Assistant Professor of Medicine at UCLA, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Why haven't you learned anything? One of the biggest challenges facing public education is that there aren't enough people going into the profession. Across the country, teacher training programs are shrinking or closing their doors entirely. But Miami-Dade College is working on a solution to this problem by creating dual enrollment programs at 51 high schools across the Miami-Dade School District. WLRN's Kate Payne sat down with Carmen Concepcion, the dean of MDC School of Education, to talk about the teaching academies. Every society, for it to be successful, needs to be anchored on education. We know that there's a need nationwide. Back at the beginning of the year, there were more than 5,000 vacancies across the state of Florida. So my hope is that we continue to revive that passion for teaching and learning in our, in our high school students. We need to change, as a society, how we look at the teaching profession. So MDC is partnering with Miami-Dade County Public Schools on a dual enrollment program for high schoolers who want to go into teaching. Tell us uh, about this program. This is an exciting opportunity. Our goal is to continue to elevate the teaching profession, specifically for those students that early on, just like me, know that all they want to do is teach. So when students transition from middle school to high school, they choose an academy. Those students that choose a teaching academy would be eligible to take specific dual enrollment courses at their home campus. Our goal is for that student that starts in the ninth grade to graduate high school with their high school diploma, their AA or AS, and then come straight into the bachelor's program here at Miami-Dade College. What kinds of degrees or degree pathways can students be working on? So we have four different pathways. Early childhood education, that's one of the pathways. The other three pathways are secondary biology, secondary math, and exceptional student education. Are those areas where we're seeing the most need in the district? Absolutely. Specifically, exceptional student education. And not only is it that there's a need across the community, but when you look, for example, at a student that graduates with a degree in exceptional student education, they're certified to teach exceptional student education from kindergarten to the 12th grade. They also graduate with, a, with an endorsement to teach reading, which is a need nationwide. So then they're very marketable in the early childhood education program. They also graduate with an endorsement in ESOL and an endorsement in reading. So we are meeting the needs of every student in our community. We know there are a lot of reasons why people don't want to go into the classroom. High stakes testing, low pay, the political involvement we're seeing in curriculum, and even the threat of gun violence. What is your pitch to high schoolers now 
of why they should go into the classroom. So I think that high schoolers should go into the classroom because they have an opportunity to make a difference that they wouldn't have in any other profession. The high stakes testing, the political arena, the violence, it's always been maybe not to the level where it is today, but my best advice to anyone considering teaching it's that there are things that are going to be out of our control. But when you're in the classroom, you're in control of the relationships that you build with those students. So if you're passionate about teaching and making an impact, this is the profession for you. On the political question, teachers are are feeling this pressure of recent state restrictions on how to deal with certain issues like identity, history, race. And we saw recently a Miami-Dade school pulled some books out of an elementary section of, of its library after a parent claimed they were indoctrinating kids. How is MDC preparing folks going into the classroom to navigate these pressures? I think that our students have great relationships with our faculty. These are open discussions that are had when our students have questions, concerns, when I talk to students, I always share my, my experience as a beginning teacher back in 1993 with my mentor teacher. Questions that I had, concerns that I had, always bringing them up to your mentor teacher, to your faculty member. So they serve to navigate those difficult conversations with the parents, with the students, and with the, the school community. That was Carmen Concepcion, the Dean of the School of Education at Miami-Dade College, speaking with WLRN education reporter Kate Payne. This is WLRN News. Never going to understand something. What? What was that? I heard that. Now, Miss Daisy, you need a chauffeur. Lord knows I need a job. So why don't we just leave it like that? Summer in Chicago means big festivals, concerts, sporting events, and Chicagoans are tapping into rideshares like Uber or Lyft to get around town. But lately, some rideshare drivers have been more critical about how much money they actually get from these fares. WBEZ reporter Tatiana Walk-Morris spoke with rideshare drivers about how they're feeling about work these days. Good morning, Tatiana. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. I understand you spoke with five rideshare drivers about what it's like working in the post-COVID gig economy. What are their top concerns? So um, they have said that they have to drive longer hours in order to earn the same amount of money that they had earned when they started. Um, They are concerned about um, situations where they feel unsafe picking up passengers um, and dropping them off. And um, they are also concerned about Um, situations where they're deactivated from the platform, but they're not sure why, and that interferes with their livelihood. Let's talk about pay first. You know, the average passenger tells you the cost of rideshare is up, but drivers say their pay is going down. So how are earnings for drivers calculated? Anyone who's gotten into a taxi cab knows that you see a little sheet that tells you how your fare is calculated. But with Uber and Lyft, it's not like that. When the drivers pick up a passenger, they open their app and they can see um, how much they're going to get paid for the ride at their destination and how long it takes for them to get there. But they don't always know how that fare is calculated. And we reached out to the company for clarification on that. And they basically said that, you know, it varies based on how much they earn in tips and um, other driver incentives that they put, you know, to to encourage drivers to drive longer. But that fluctuates. So we, we, we don't know. And they don't know either. Does the driver know what the customer is paying? 
not in the moment when the passenger is getting in the car. But one of the companies that we reached out to said that they provide weekly summaries of an average of how much customers paid when they, you know, decided to to take the ride. Hmm. Um, in response to your question about pay, you said both Uber and Lyft referred you to a city of Chicago study that found the majority of rideshare drivers earn between 31 and $40 per passenger per hour. But that's not what they take home, is it? No, um, you have to remember that rideshare drivers are independent contractors, which means they are responsible for all the expenses that go into um, maintaining their vehicle. So gas, um, maintenance insurance. So it, it takes a bite out of whatever they earn. Yeah. And then there's another concern you mentioned, which is security, uh, robberies, carjackings, acts of violence against drivers. Um, these are scary and potentially life changing events. What would rideshare drivers like to see these companies do? Well, one of the drivers that I spoke to said that he would like to see the companies collect um, a selfie or, or some sort of picture of the passenger that they're picking up and that they would like better communication between the company and law enforcement to investigate whatever safety issues they encounter when they're when they're picking up passengers and dropping them off. When we reached out to uh, rideshare companies for information on how they're protecting drivers, they sent us a list of safety features that they're implementing to try to help drivers feel safer and communicate with law enforcement. So it sounds like that's something that they're working on. So declining wages, safety concerns, getting deactivated from their platforms. Why do people, you know, drive rideshare? I think everyone's familiar with those commercials that talk about the flexibility of driving for rideshare. Um, so for some people, they drive part-time to supplement their full-time income. One of the drivers I spoke to, he he drives rideshare in order to bring in more income now that he's retired. So it really depends. It is a way for drivers to make a reasonable living on their time or supplement what they already have going on. Tatiana Walk-Morris is a freelance reporter for WBEZ. You can find her interviews with the rideshare drivers at WBEZ.org. Thanks, Tatiana. Thank you. This is WBEZ. My daughter is Parson Blue Harrington. She is six years old. She's fun-loving. She likes to play outside. And she loves, 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 loves UPS. And she wants to be a UPS driver when she grows up. UPS workers may be heading for a strike in early August. If they do walk out, it would be the biggest strike against a single employer in U.S. history. As NPR's Daniel Kay reports, this would mean millions of package delays for people and industries across the country. 340,000 UPS workers are prepared to walk off the job if their union and the company don't agree on a new contract. Tommy Storch, a supply chain expert, says customers would probably feel the effects of a strike for weeks, even months after it ends. However long the strike happens, there will be, you know, a much longer tail of just getting those millions of packages that largely weren't delivered that have been stacking up. And it's not just about your average packages like household goods. Major industries could also be disrupted. Here's Jason Miller, a professor of supply chain management at Michigan State University. Probably the scariest one for people is the medical supply chain or the healthcare supply chain. 
manufacturers of medical devices and medical products tend to ship very extensively using parcel carriers. As UPS and its workers get closer to a strike, there's a big threat looming over both sides that wasn't there during the last UPS strike in 1997. The industry has changed a lot. Companies like FedEx and Amazon have expanded their delivery networks. There's just more competition than ever. Jeremy Tancredi leads the supply chain team at consulting firm West Monroe. That's the biggest concern UPS has is while one carrier can take on the majority of the volume, there might be enough carriers out there to spread it around and it could be a little more of a hit to them than it was in 97. UPS's main rivals, FedEx, the United States Postal Service, and Amazon, wouldn't be able to take on all of the millions of packages left behind. But FedEx, which is largely non-unionized, is still trying to take advantage of the threat of a strike. It's urging shippers to, quote, begin shipping with FedEx now, according to an internal company memo, before a strike even happens. Tancredi thinks that's a pretty smart move. So even if a strike doesn't happen, those customers have already switched over. UPS CEO Carol Tomei said in April that UPS has assigned executives to keep customers as the threat of a strike looms large. UPS and the Teamsters Union have less than three weeks to negotiate a new contract. The union says UPS isn't budging on a key sticking point, wages for part-time workers. UPS made billions of dollars in profit last year. This, the union says, means the company can afford to pay its workers more. And they're willing to strike if UPS doesn't give in. For NPR News, I'm Danielle Kay. Unemployment among black workers is rising. Nationally, unemployment remains at an historically low figure of about three and a half percent. But that figure jumps to six percent for black workers. That marks a second consecutive monthly increase in black unemployment. For a closer look at these numbers, we've called Kate Bond. She focuses on research about low wage workers at the Urban Institute. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I mean, of course, I want to know what could be driving the rise in unemployment among black workers. But first, I just want to be sure that two months of increases is enough to identify a possible trend, is it? Well, this is the key point because I think it may not be. Um, when we look at the one month, the six month, the nine month, and the 12 month figures, those are not statistically significant in the data. So what this might suggest really is that we had some noise in the positive direction about three months ago and some noise in the negative direction the past two months, but it's still ultimately just noisy data. Hmm. I don't want to say that doesn't mean 6% isn't troubling, but it still seems to be noise. Well, okay, so that's helpful. But but what could be driving that? Let's assuming just for the sake of argument that this is something that we need to keep an eye on, what could be driving it? Well, key thing to keep in mind, um, in particular, you know, we know the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates to try to address inflation. And when the Federal Reserve takes actions like that, it does tend to disproportionately impact workers who face more barriers to opportunity who are more marginalized. And so that means, plainly put, that when the Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates, that will disproportionately hurt Black workers. So I think that's really what we want to keep our eye on. More broadly, has the post-pandemic jobs recovery been different for Black workers than for other workers? It has been. Um, so, you know, when you look at the unemployment, we want to keep an eye on that for those reasons about the Fed that I just talked. But when we look at a lot of other data on what is happening with black workers in the labor market and this really remarkable recovery, it is actually looking pretty good. Um, and so two data points I want to point out is that the employment rate of black workers is currently only a half percentage point below that of white workers. Um, so still lower than white workers, but that's actually a historic convergence. The employment rate of black workers and white workers is the closest that it's ever been. 
And then the second data point I want to bring up is their labor force participation rate. Um, and so that is all workers who are both working and looking for work. And that has always lagged for black workers historically. It looked like it was converging prior to the pandemic. In the pandemic, black workers were hit much worse. They had much worse unemployment outcomes. They had a little bit of lagging in the initial recovery, but now actually labor force participation for black workers is higher than that of white workers. It has swapped places that direction. And that is like, that is really remarkable. I don't want to understate that, that the fact that labor force participation is higher for black workers than white workers right now is really remarkable. So interesting. So before we let you go, are black workers in a better position now to whether what could be another downturn? Well, it takes two things for it to be have good employment outcomes. It takes really good market forces. We certainly have those, but we also need institutional change to ensure that workers who have been historically excluded, like black workers, can share in the gains of the economy. And so we have those market forces right now, but we don't have those institutional changes yet. And so my fear is if we have a downturn, we'll basically reverse a lot of these recent gains. What we really need is policy change to ensure that black workers are on the same footing as white workers. That is Kate Vaughn of the Urban Institute. Kate, thanks so much for sharing this uh, research with us. Great. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 14, 2023. So I have been told. I was looking at the transcript for that final segment, uh, the great Michelle Martin, victim of white supremacy, host at NPR. They were doing the piece on uh, two consecutive months where the black unemployment rate has increased and racism was not mentioned there at all. Just interesting. Anywho, um, yes, neutralizing workplace racism every week. Hopefully, we have some non-white people, victims of racism. They have figured out, hey, I'm not unemployed. I'm not uh, one of these folks who is maligned. I get my water breaks on my job. Hey, they might even bring us, you know, uh, iced tea, hibiscus, you know, all the good stuff. Organic, of course. No white sugar. Really hook it up. We got shaded parking and everything. If you are hooked up, not abused in your workplace, they don't cheat you out of your hours and all this other nonsense, you ask for vacation time, it is approved in a timely manner, and they don't renege and what a gotcha. You thought it was approved? Nope, 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 nope. Need all hands on deck have to cancel that vacation. Sorry about that one. They don't do that. If you have figured out, get sparkling reviews every time. No wage theft. You are compensated in a just manner for the brilliance you contribute to the company. Man, let us know. UPS workers need to hear that too. Number to dial, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 720-716-7300. 
the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Not for spectators, especially if you have figured out some things that work well to solve problems in the workplace. Now, let's see. Get to some of the reports. I was telling you, I was looking at the transcript for the uh, employment, unemployment and, and such for black people. We'll get to that one. The heat wave, I'd, mandatory to start there now, I will uh, concede as usual. I'm in Seattle, Washington, so heat wave for us is 82 degrees Fahrenheit. See if I can give it to you in Celsius for our folks in other parts of the world. So 82 degrees Fahrenheit, 27.7 C. That's heat wave for us here in Seattle, which it is kind of warm because, norm- I mean, the average summertime temperature prior to the recent warming, I'd say, over the last couple of years, average summertime temperature at its warmest is below 80 degrees here in Seattle. So even peak summer, the average summertime high is below 80. So for us, 82 degrees Fahrenheit is like, whoa, what's going on? Whoa, is the air conditioning? What? Jesus. Which is how they normally behave around here, they being individuals classified as white. Anywho, but for the people who are in other parts of the U.S., uh, what do they call it? The heat dome and triple digit heat? My word. I hope you are drinking lots of water. Watermelon, put in the freezer. I told you. Put in the freezer. You can chop it up before you do so. You can make a smoothie out of it, all kinds of goodies. It's amazing. But put the watermelon in the freezer. Chop it up first. Anywho, I hope everyone is staying hydrated, cool. If we have folks, I know we have folks who do ride share and delivery driving and other things where you would have to be outside. I hope you took every possible precaution. Uh, that you have air conditioning in your company vehicle, and they gave you extra, you know, fuel or what have you, so that you could crank it on max uh, the whole time, uh, green hopefully, uh, and lots of water. Like I said, a hibiscus, herba mate tea, organic, no white shit. Like hook it up for you, you know. Get you some uh, vegan ice cream popsicles and all kinds of goodies. Like really hook it up for everybody. Some fresh fruit, some mangoes and pineapples. You can get those fluids and electrolytes and everything. Uh, Maybe even work earlier or later or whatever. But man, take that seriously. I know it's, like I said, triple digit heat in some places. That is nothing to mess around with, especially if you have any sort of uh, health issues. Then it is really something serious. Sit down. If you don't have air conditioning, hopefully they have... uh, they call it cooling centers. That's what it is. Cooling centers or wherever where you can go get inside and cool down. But do not, you know, be dangerous about that. We started with the report Democracy Now! My BFF, Amy Goodman, where they were talking about uh, Governor Abbott, a uh, suspected race soldier, uh, where they 
he specifically approved new regulations that would eliminate mandatory water breaks uh, down in the Lone Star State. We just had the report a couple days ago. It happened in June. Technically, it wasn't even summer yet. This is spring heat in Texas. Uh, but Eugene Gates Jr., that's the postal worker that they referenced in the report, but they didn't name him blackmail privilege. But Eugene Gates Jr., married, grandfather, had been working decades for the U.S. Postal Service and hot weather. Then they still aren't really sure what happened. If it was heat related, it could have been. It was super hot that day, triple. I think it was right at 100 degrees and whatever humidity they have in Texas. Uh, but that just happened. And it wasn't even summer yet. Now they got the heat dome and all this sustained heat. So Man, hopefully, and I said that before, safety, the system of white supremacy is inherently unsafe. The plantation is not safe. Work environments, you might not, Texas should not be that case. Texas, they are known for hot weather in the summertime. But other regions where maybe they're not accustomed to having triple digit heat, it's not normally that warm and such. Speak up. Maybe if they did not take extreme measures, or shouldn't you? Yeah, because this is an extreme weather event, right? That's the language that they use. We need to take extreme measures to ensure worker safety. Speak up, number one, if you, you know, do not feel well, uh, you know, if you feeling like you might be getting a heat stroke or anything, things are not working correctly, speak up immediately. You know, let, alert your supervisor, whomever you need to do. Uh, but be letting them know, like, hey, this is really serious. Mr. Gates just died down in Texas. And they mentioned, you know, other incidents of this just this calendar year. What can we do to ensure safety? Because they even said at the post office they moved up the time of work. I think they moved it from might have been 730 to 630 to try to get workers out of that heat so maybe they can finish a little bit earlier so they don't have to be out there during the peak heat hours where it's, you know, 110 and all the rest of that. Say I can't say it enough. You have to take, you have to, pro, we non-white people have to prioritize our own safety uh, because you could even be working with all non-white people and, you know, whatever. There's so much disregard. That's just a part of the, the global culture of white supremacy racism. So you really, it's almost what they, the metaphor they use, going against the grain to really speak up in a serious manner about safety. Even the uh, brain, brain damage tackle football, they even have that come up with them. They'll go out and practice in this sort of weather and have people end up dying, high school, even professional level. Uh, they had this sort of thing where they had to do the same thing. Safety of our workers. We have to get brain damage either early in the morning or wait till the evening. Can't get brain damage during peak heat hours. Next report. Uh, we had the segment on med schools uh, where they just had the report about affirmative action. Now, once again, zero mention of white women. No one has come up more than white chicks off of the old double A. But they, eh, the Negroes, what are we going to do? And hand ring. Eh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, white people, if they wanted to go out of the business of practicing racism, 
they could have just had non-white students in. And it wouldn't be what they call zero-sum. They could add enrollment. They could figure out all kinds of programs to encourage and develop more black med school students. They don't want to do that, and particularly with black males like you, 15 thumbs down. But that's just, in my view, you didn't have a whole lot of black people before. You had so-called affirmative action all these years and piled up white women doctors and dentists and physicians and everything else, even UPS workers. And you couldn't get black male physicians, black doctors, period, during that time period. And they said, oh, woe is us. What are we going to do? Get out of here, man. Replace white supremacy with justice. Read medical apartheid. Do need to encourage more black people to be doctors. I would point back to the data that they had about the drop, catastrophic, really, in reading and math scores for young students, particularly non-white students. That sort of data would make me think it will be an even smaller crop of people who are even interested in pursuing med school. Got to solve this problem. Continuing, doctor shortage, teacher shortage. We heard about the nursing shortage last week. Now, that was specifically down in South Florida, uh, retired firefighters neck of the woods, I reckon, uh, where they were talking about different types of programs that they're trying to come up with to address the teacher shortage. Now, that's another one. You've had all this time, and you still don't have black male teachers in particular, don't have lots of black teachers, or don't have enough black teachers in general. They blame that on affirmative action, too. Presumably, they said they're going to have this program uh, set up in South Florida. I don't know if that's going to be a national or even a, a whole state thing. It's hard to imagine that being the whole state of uh, Wookville that is Florida doing something like this to try to get in more teachers. Uh, but even this would be the type of thing that I would think about. This program is great. Encourage more folks, especially black people. Yes, go be teachers. Awesome. But man, this would be the sort of thing that I would think about too. If you're having children like, wow, they got the teacher shortage and everything. What sort of education is my child going to get? They don't even have enough teachers to, hmm, hmm, is this problem going to be solved by the time that my child is five, ten? Lots of things to think about when we get to the whole, you know, conception. Uh, Let's see. The teacher shortage, med school, they had a segment on the strike looming perhaps next month for UPS. I know they have a lot of non-white people work at UPS either over the summer or whenever. Uh, That can be a big uh, site of employment if they have a facility in your area. Uh, And they talked about, one, how this could disrupt businesses. I know we had talked about that before. If they have to switch up and go to FedEx or whatever else or delays in packages uh, and all the rest of it, have no idea what sort of impact that could have on non-white entrepreneurs, if any. Maybe they, you know, heard this, were prepared already. Maybe they already switched over to FedEx. Maybe they already switched over United States parcel services or whatever else that they're, you know, going to use. The drones, Amazon, all the rest of it. Maybe they already got all that taken care of and no big deal. I don't know. 
that would be one aspect to think about. I also suspect that could be if it does happen a lot of time between now and August, but I suspect there could be a lot of non-white people who are on strike. If that does happen, who are waiting to resolve all of this, I think they said that one of the major points that they were not uh, willing to acquiesce, they being the workers, was uh, pay for part-time workers. That's where I'm thinking, once again, I suspect that's a lot of non-white people who are working that job and getting bad pay for really grueling. I mean, think about that for a day like today. You work big brown truck. Now, I don't know if it's AC or not. I would, I mean, look online and see if is the UPS truck air conditioning. If we have anybody here who worked UPS, let us know. Have you worked on that truck on a day like today? Because I could not imagine. I'm in, call it uh, Georgia. I don't know what the weather is. Let's see what the weather is in Atlanta today. I know it's not 82 there. Let's see. And they have the humidity. Oh, it's 86. Oh, no. Now, see, temperature 89 is the high, but they got the lightning graphics. So thunderstorm. We don't really have thunderstorms here. He, who wants to be in muggy, humid, 90-degree Atlanta heat in the thunder and rain, and I'm in the UPS truck going out all day long, and they don't even pay me correctly, especially if I'm part-time? Do you get water breaks? Because they have uh, heat advisories in Atlanta. Do you get uh, what happens when they have a heat advisory and you're in the middle of your route? Do you get to pull over and chill? They tell you, you know, go to Lenox Mall and hang out for... I don't know, three hours until four o'clock, the sun starts to go down and cools down and then resume your route. Do they do that? I don't know. Do we have any, do anybody here? If you worked UPS, let us know. What was your experience? I guess the warehouse aspect of it too, I'm talking about the driver component, but I guess, yeah, they do have people that work in the warehouse and have to do all that, the moving and lifting and all the, like, man, I could not, I guess it might be air conditioning in the warehouse. So that might be one benefit not having to be out on the road, but if we have anybody who did either component of that, drive, warehouse, let us know. But I imagine that's a whole lot of non-white people doing that sort of job and then not even getting quality compensation. That's why I say at the beginning of, of the program, if you're a non-white person and you are being compensated correctly, wow, you are rare. How did you do that? Let us know. We want to take notes. Let's see. And then we heard about the unemployment. For that. Certainly, you are not being compensated correctly if you are unemployed. Now, they said that it had, it being the unemployment statistics for Negras specifically, that they had been great. Historic lows before, huge bounce back, COVID-19. They were talking about all the labor shortages. So I guess everybody was hiring. We'll even hire a Negra. Now that all that is, you know, dying down a little bit, uh-oh. Uh oh. Maybe Leroy doesn't have the same workplace leverage that he had a year ago. Now we don't need Leroy as much. Yeah. Again, they did that whole report and did not really get to uh, racism, although, now I did when they talked about all of the efforts to stave off inflation and they keep raising interest rates, that that would have a greater impact on black people. I had not heard that before. That was interesting. That's something I put a little tick next to, like, hmm, I have to investigate a little more on that, still learning. But that, fascinating. Wow, doing all of that. I suspect the individuals who make the individuals classified as white who make those interest rate adjustments, 
I suspect they already knew that. Ooh-wee, the Negroes are going to feel this one. Sorry, guys, inflation, inflation. Got to, just, you know. Bear down, Negroes, bear down. As usual. Uh, let's see. Uh, email, untiljustice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. I forgot the Uber report. That was important because there was multiple around the uh, Uber report, and they were talking about safety. They talked about safety for the teacher shortage as well. They say we got all these woke policies, and you're trying to tell us what we can't teach, and the COVID-19 policies and all the rest of it, and everything else, and getting on our nerves, and ah, nobody wants to do this. I feel you. They said with the ride share, uh, that was Chicago specifically, but that, you know, but even broad, more broadly, and they talked about, what's my word, safety. Absolutely, you get people getting in your vehicle in that confined space, and they're under the influence of God knows what. And their behavior is all over the place because they had a report just this week. It was a black male. I don't even think he was in uh, Illinois, but it was a black male. Excuse me, pardon, beg pardon, strive for accuracy. It was a non-white driver. I remember they had their mask on. I couldn't see the face to verify. It was a non-white driver, and they were taking a white person, and the white person got uh, racist, belligerent, driver attempted to victim, non-white person attempted to cancel the ride. I think they did safety issues, and the white person got out practicing racism, called the police, and I'll get you lynched, and who do you think you are, Nick Ren? You're supposed to be driving Miss Daisy and take me home. All the rest of it. Thankfully, they got some of this on video, but she got charged uh, this week. But I mean, man, in my view, that would be the training video. And I mean, they got bunches of those to pick from. But who, man, I don't even, they've been talking about that gas has been going up and all the rest of it and maintenance on the vehicle. Like, dang, I got to put up with all this just to do ride share? <sighs> Is this worth That's another name. Is this worth it? And now, that's another one. Okay, so. Let's pick a different location. We'll take uh, Little Rock. I don't know what temperature is. I have to check, but Little Rock, Arkansas. Go Slick Willie. Man, I got to go out in 95-degree heat, whatever it is there, and have you cutting a fool in my vehicle, wear and tear on my personal vehicle, and be threatened, and you're going to call the police where they might come and do a Mike Brown on me? Not doing the teaching job, not doing the rideshare job either. <clears throat> but they say, take this job and shut it. I guess that was, they did say the rideshare got more expensive over COVID. I could, mm. lots of reasons for that. All right, folks, have a code. How you deal with all of that. I think it would even be good to maybe have a divider because most of these videos that I've seen, it's not really much of a safety mechanism like if the the person that you passenger is being transported they cut a fool get angry what have you and they want to put hands on you or whatever else throw something on you you're right there i don't see a divide i don't know if that's even allowable if it is i'd maybe even think about that so we have something to you know keep us separated uh and then yeah what's this get this person out of the vehicle like do i call the enforcement officials having a, a camera would seem to be mandatory at this point gotta have a, a camera with audio one or two goes to you know wherever so that the footage is saved you need it for legal matters or what have you but gosh that that would be another one that is this worth it 
I don't know. We had a lot of people who did ride share over COVID-19, and they had seemed like a lot of, wow, stressful or a number of, I mean, yes, some of them did seem stressful. Remember, they had the fella, white man came out and threatened, what are you doing around here? My wife said that you were peeping. We don't allow peeping Negroes in this neighborhood. Get Remember that one? He could have killed him. I'm laughing, but he could have killed him. Like, man, I don't, oof, man, got to be safe. safety. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate temperature in Little Rock, Arkansas, 83 degrees. Their high was right at 90 today as well. Is this accurate? Make sure that they haven't. Oh, my God. Yep, yep, see, they have thunderstorms on the forecast for Little Rock, too. That's another one. Are you serious? I got to be out in the rain, lightning. I might get struck to be accosted and terrorized to drive you someplace and or to drop off your chicken wings and riblets. Come on. Come on, come on. Uh, the number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail dot com. We will nab see uh, if we have folks who if we have folks who did UPS work. Grand, let us know if we have any folks dealing with the temperature. You are not in some air-conditioned, big cushy office, eating vegan ice cream, relaxing shoes off for the day. If we have folks, you actually had to be outside in some of this. How did you cope? Did they get water breaks? Did they look out for your safety? Let us know. If we have folks who have any of their other issues or commentary they would like to share, let us see. Uh, 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 uh. Bay Area Mom should be with us. Nab other hands as we proceed. Hi. Good um, Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Um I know I was just, when I got off work today, I just, I called my um, friend, he works for UPS, and um, I just asked him, um, oh, that's crazy, I just asked him, I said, how much do you make per hour? And he said, $25. And I said, oh, okay, I said, are you part-time or full-time? And he said he was part-time. And then he said that, um just randomly talking, he did, he was just stating that, you know, he works 30 hours, uh, you know, a week, I guess, basically making it full-time, but it's not full-time, it's part-time with extra hours. And then he said once, when he works 40 hours, it's just like working 30 hours, it, it, or it's not, it, it's not, you know, there's, the pay is not different, it doesn't show different. And so if that's the case, you're working 10 hours and you don't even see it. So you're given 10 free labor hours and it doesn't really show on your check once they cut whatever take, whatever they take out of it. So um, when he told me that, I thought, oh, wow, that explains a lot, you know, just for me, 
because he is, is if you're part-time with UPS, it's not the same as full-time. So that's why they said one of the things they're not going to do is elevate the pay for part-time workers because it's not necessary. I just, I got so many of you guys. So, um, and you can always keep a part-time on standby because they're usually hoping to be full-time. And as far as the air conditioning, um, they are air conditioned inside of the warehouse. And um, I know someone who's been, I'm very close to this person. They've been um, working for UPS right out of high school for 25, 27 years, part-time, never made full-time. So that's how long they wait, hoping to get full-time. So they stick around for that. So that I could see why they stated that they wouldn't elevate. That's one of the things that's not on the table or one of the things that they're not going to negotiate is to pay for the uh, part-time because they don't have to. You got a problem, go go work for FedEx. Go work for uh, Amazon and Flex or something, you know. So I, I could believe that. That's a trip. Um, and, yes, yeah, so the cars also have air conditioning because um, I've been on them a few uh, times and they they're air conditioned and um, yeah so they don't have that problem but what they do have those drivers too many of them are surgeries be it the backs the this the that and uh, they think it's okay because they get to take off work but you're taking off work because you've damaged your body from overworking for these you know the these people that's usually the drivers. Uh, I know a gentleman who's had so many hernia this and that and off of work for so long. He's been there for years, too, a couple of decades. And, um, the, you know, they aim to retire. Hopefully, you know, they'll be able to use your bo- their body after that. But they aim to retire there, but they, they go through so many surgeries. He just He's just now got an easier route, like maybe he'll do some envelope delivering um for only a little bit because that's for seasoned drivers, white drivers, you different driver. That's not just for anybody to have the relaxed uh, route. So he's doing it temporarily, temporarily because he hurt himself again. You know what I mean? So especially, you know, it's not safe. <laughs> it's not safe. But um, that's my UPS stuff. Um, so my workplace racism. Um, uh, I... Okay, so I'll do two. Do real quick. The uh, the so I um got a call today about the you know doing working in the schools because school's gonna start back next month, and um, they asked me. I must have missed a call, so it was a voice message, and you know I could just read it, and it looked like it, they were asking me to go follow the kids that just graduated. That's what it looked like. So um. I called back, I stepped out, and I called back, and um, so, you know, they're talking. She's really good at fast-talking, the, uh, the the lady at the agency. So she's like, you know, the school want to know if you, you know, want to come back, you know, and uh, work with the kids that, you know, you were already working with, and boom, 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 boom. And I said, do people that work here, do they get raises? 
or what happens? Nothing. And so she said, you know, I was just going to talk about, I was just going to say, I was just going to say something about that, you know, because you've been working here and you've been this and that, and, you know, you do all kind of stuff above and beyond, and you do that, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, even though we stop at, uh, so you're, you're capped out, but I'm just going to give you an extra dollar. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to try to squeeze six more cent in and try to make it two, but at least 150 At least, yeah. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to try to squeeze them, you know, as much as I can. I'm because, yeah, 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 you're right. So I was like, okay. So I'll, I'll go to the um, middle school come August. I'll get the schedule and see. I'm sure it'll be heavy because it's not just those kids. It's, uh, I'm sure, the whole class. Um, and and that's that's fine. No, no big deal. I just want a couple of more nickels to go, you know, in my coin purse. So that was it. Um, so that was good, and um, I appreciated, you know, that they wanted me back. Um, So the second one was the one I do respite. So there's a six-year-old and there's an 18-year-old. The six-year-old is not listening. Um, Six-year-old is totally not listening, and and now he's mimicking laughing after he does certain things. Now, I don't know how it goes over when there's no adults, you know, when I'm not, you know, in his normal routine. I don't know how that goes over. But for me, you know, my whole thing, I'm sorry behavior. <laughs> so I come in on a different angle. So, of course, it's the same thing. He has access to the digital anything digital, be it the TV with the, you know, because you can get these apps on the TV and watch YouTube or the clips or whatever, the repetitive clips. And um, that's what he does. And then uh, the other one, there's no YouTube on on here. There's no YouTube. It's on the YouTube in, in, in one place. And I'm like, look, it's YouTube all through the house. I just took, uh, well, no, his mama, t- um, okay, look. He's watching something because I just took the remote control from him. So what I have to do to get a control over the little boy is control the thing. He has an abundant amount of control of the house. And it doesn't help him. With that, he doesn't listen. He watches so many clips that he's programmed from the clips because they're so short or however it goes. And you know how... The repetition is, so that's what he does with a lot of the things that he likes to see repeated. And um, then I'll get instructions. Okay, well, he's, they stopping him from doing, I don't want to hear nothing about, we'll stop him. Good, good job. Good job. Whatever you're trying to tell me, good job. I don't want to hear nothing. Cause, and you're not going to put all that work on me to deal with his behavior. I'm doing respite. When I wanted to do ABA style, no one was interested. So I'm not good. Whatever y'all doing, good thumbs up. So <laughs> but I'm just letting you know, you know, we trying to make him not stop screaming. Oh, 
How? What are you doing to stop that? Just, I don't know what some silly they do. But what I do, because I can't take it. I can't take. He's okay. So the six-year-old screams because he's allowed to watch the tablet, and that's what he does all day. He has tablet access, so even if he's not staring at it, the sound. He's still got the sound around, and if he doesn't have the sound, he'll get. He has access to someone's cell phone to get on the internet and find a repetitive clip and listen to it, and then respond to the sound. Even through all the movies that I've talked about throughout the time, of how he'll get into character. He's a part of the thing. He's he's there too. I'm 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 here. I come. You know. So he's in. He's he's a part of the cast as well. So nobody's listening to me, and it's fine because I don't, I can say my words, so I don't have a problem, and I only tell you a couple of times, and that's about it. But I won't, I won't, I'm only there to do respite, so I can't, there's not so much that I could do. But you live there with this child, and you want him to be as constructive as possible as an adult because there's also the... 18-year-old, oh, my God, Uh, he can't do anything on his own, nothing. And um, I got a call on Tuesday or a text message asking, could I watch? I already knew that there's a family reunion, and I was just wondering, are you going to take the kids? So I'm going to take the small one, but I'm not going to take the adult one because I'm not. So they don't know that I know that it's a family reunion. Well, the mom doesn't know. So when she texted me and asked for my available Saturday, I said no because I'm tired and I wanted to rest. Um, so I said no. And so I didn't get a, oh, okay, well, thank you, and da, 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 because I'm sure that was attitude because that meant something has to happen because she wants to go to this family reunion. So uh, listening to the auntie, the, 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 they're going to take him with them to the family reunion, but the mom doesn't want to because she says he'll have anxiety and um, he'll, he'll get scared. He's not going to get out of the car. Um, I, I, now... Aunt doesn't know, didn't know that I was asked to come, but I was thinking. He, I, I do believe that will happen. So another sister had stated maybe everybody should just take turns, you know, trying to help him get out of the car or whatever. But even with that, somebody's gonna have to watch him. Probably the auntie that already lives there and watches him. Um, so I might. I'm still thinking about it. I might text her and say I'll come and sit with him because I'm sure that's what I would be doing because it's at a park, so I'm sure she'll take her six-year-old, but she's not going to want to deal with him. I don't want him to have a seizure at the park because he has seizures real bad, and I don't want him nervous around all these people either. I do believe she should take him out, but I don't know about this kind of outing to be the time that, you know, you show her <laughs> that she he she needs to spend more time with him. So um, 
I just get frustrated because there's the children need something and you have to give it to them and the parents aren't available and it's such a bother because you why have the children if you are not available to give them the best that you possibly can. I don't know if mean a roof over their head and some food and buying stuff. I just mean in real life, give them tools that they can use to succeed. He'll be in an institution if something happens to her or if anything happens. The soul of the six-year-old, he's still in pull-ups and he's not talking. He's echoic at best. And that's only if it's necessary to talk. I make them talk. But it's awful. It's awful. But we're all, but we're ready for the turn up, the celebration. We're always ready for that. It, it's just too bad. So I just wanted to share that. Um, and I thank you. Um, I thank you. I had to, when I, I made it, I'm, I said something about him laughing, a six-year-old, because he'll do stuff and laugh. It's because of one of the clips that it watches. Whatever he's watching, that's what he's watching. So maybe say like it's a 60-second video and you're doing something and he bash somebody in the face and <laughs> or something. So he'll rewind that or not even have to rewind it, just keep letting it play over and over. So I'll unplug or shut down the breaker on the TV if I can't get the remote control. So he's running around, so he took the remote control for the living room TV. Now I'll put it up high so he can't get it. So he went and got a little step stool and got it. So I took the uh, um, remote from him and made him put the step stool back where he got it. So um, <laughs> the auntie is laughing. Like, he's so funny. You just so funny because he's laughing. And I had to just stop. I said, wait, it's not funny. Him not listening is not funny. Don't laugh when he's not listening because it's not funny. And then that was it. I just, because it's not funny. It's not, it's confusing for him because he's already respond doing this mimicking this from a video. And I don't even, I'm not even there five, six, seven, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I could just figure out what's going on. I had made him turn his dad's phone in because his dad gave him the phone and he's hollering ah! because he's watching the video. So the dad like, hey, quiet. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, oh, somebody wants quiet. So that must mean you got to turn that phone in. I'm sorry. You got to turn that phone in. So the dad like, okay, give me your phone. Give me your phone. I'm like, yeah, you got to turn it in. Yeah, it's not available. So, but they're not doing that. They're not, they're yelling instead of taking them up out of the situation. There's a television in the room. He's got scratch marks all over it from circling or scratching something on it. I told them before they even fixed his room up. He doesn't need a television in his room, and if you do, mount it. Nope. He has total access to everything. Everything. Thank you. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, Bay Area Mom. Parent times two. Wow. Normal weather in the Bay. They are not suffering from the heat dome. It is 
cooler there than it is in Seattle. Um, wow, I heard Dr. Welsing so many times uh, through all of that. Children raising children. I heard that one frequently as well. Children raising children. I felt a teaspoon, and I do mean a teaspoon, better about myself uh, in saying, hey, you are going to procreate a child that will be classified as black, don't have a television in the house. It's almost 2025. If you have a tablet, computer, you can pretty much view anything you can imagine that is on TV, old school style. For your child's safety, health, and development, in more ways than we can even fathom, get rid of the television. Particularly, it's 2025 television. Most people, I mean, oof, it's going to be a, a hundred inch HD. Might be the the 4K TV. Might even be a projector. They might even have a, a TV per se. It might be a projector. It's the whole wall. All of that is just white supremacy entertainment. She said, "What she said? She didn't say that he was imitating someone being constructive and." offering to help being a studious and going to that's not what she said and she's talked about this a bunch working with different clients and they are addicted to TV at 3, 4, 5, 6 all these really young ages when their brain computer is still developing critical period I might add and they're watching what are they watching? it's Cookie Monster she told us bash you in the face and, la- and laugh about it violence is fun that's Reb and Vodka didn't we just read about them we gonna blow up the school and kill 500 people especially the no count nigger Isaiah show but we gonna kill 500 people and have fun they wrote that down have fun violence is fun ha 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 Get rid of the screens if you are going to procreate a child classified as not white. We've heard bunches of those too where as opposed to parenting, child is given a one-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old. Here's a cell phone. You'll be good. I'll come back check on you in an hour. <laughs> children ray and again hey she said it genius you don't have to have the children that would be best if you are not really vested in parenting a victim of racism if you're not really vested in being an attempted counter racist parent don't have the children that is a way easier code to figure out you can still do your fornicating and just don't produce the offspring no problem wouldn't even be in it we wouldn't have to add we don't need you to come 
and call and get no attitude about you because you want to be shiftless and lazy and stay in bed all weekend, fine. Boo to you too. We don't have the children. We don't need no babysitter. We can go to the reunion and cut a rug and have fun. It'll be great. Don't have the children. It's all right. It's no problem. That needs to be shared because, I mean, really, this is a part of why we don't solve this problem. Generations and generations of didn't plan for, whoops, accident, and now they're here and I'm mad and frustrated and not really vested. Yes, sit over at the television. We're going to go do our thing. Yes. That's a big part of why we've not solved this problem. White people most to blame, but I mean, hey, that doesn't make the situation any better for this child addicted to TV. Racist entertainment. Let's see. Uh, Thank you for the UPS information. That was uh, kind of secondary to everything that we heard about the uh, children or lack of parenting. Uh, Thank you for the information. That's about what I thought. A lot of non-white people work at UPS. I'm not surprised to hear that either. To have, particularly if you have a large pool of non-low-skilled non-white workers, hmm, yes, you'll be part-time employees for the next 50 years. We have it our way. Mm -hmm. And then all of the money UPS and Amazon and the companies made during the three and a half year period of the pandemic where people were doing all that increase and and getting everything shipped to their door we had people that were doing the deliveries and all that who were telling us about it the huge volume people begging them to come we need more drivers we need more drivers all of that money that they made and you can't look out for your driver aren't these the frontline workers right people that go out and do this come on I put in 30 hours work and it's the same as if I work 40 hours what is that that's why I said this system it de-incentivizes hard work for many non-white people because you consistently get results like that why would I go out here and work super super hard literally break my neck as she told us about the injuries why would I do this if I'm not even going to see an increase I would just do enough to get by the system of white supremacy creates a lot of that mentality mediocrity just you know do enough to not get lashed on the plantation get my little bit of cornbread and move about my way that's way less than universal woman universal man let's see uh, kudos on getting speaking of cornbread your extra nickels uh, for her own situation I'm not surprised they're lacking staff we just heard that Florida, California, lacking staff. She, Bay Area mom, competent says, hey, uh, look here. Uh, uh, you think, look, uh, yes, yes. Come on, man. Shouldn't that be better competition? Yes, you should. Really, I mean, add $5 on, really. I mean, you all are out here begging staff. You don't have people. I've been putting in all of this time, energy. I'm competent at my job. Can pass a drug test like gee whiz. kudos on mentioning that they kind of beat down a lot of us to where we wouldn't even bring that up always have to do the safety and correct compensation it's like 1a and 1b 
lots of black self-respect to speak up to get your nickels uh, the oh man all of that with the just everything about it the, 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 so much with the TV they have studies they again usual suspects they have studies where the more television you watch the shorter your attention span is now, I'm not even does that encompass everything so if you just go sit around and watch Netflix or if you sit around and watch YouTube or you know you actually turn on and are watching cable HBO or whatever it is is that all the same or Jerry Springer is that all the same or is it just the TV component I would suspect it's probably pretty similar um, man for young children especially that is about the worst thing you can do the violence the racism and the bad food because so much of that is there as well bad food advertising McDonald's and cookies and Oreos and all the rest of it horrible eating and watching other people because most of the time if other people are eating it's not like they're going to be consuming uh, beets broccoli Brussels sprouts certainly not with a smile like this is not some form of punishment or whatever that's just not going to be the case most of the time it's going to what I say before cheeseburgers french fries oreo cookies soda pop love the soda pop that's what they're going to be seeing people consume so cookie monster mine would be if you're going to have these children I would and I mean oh my gosh that should be sacrilege to actually actually have a TV in the child's room. It sounds like parent Bay Area mommy even tried to convey this. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe you don't need a TV in this child's room. They ignore her. We do that often. But I'm the professor. Ah, shit, that. Maybe you can at least mount it so he doesn't have direct contact. Da, 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 da. He has access to all every screen in the house. I said, hey, if you gotta have a TV in the house, you abs- just got to. It's in one room, not the child's bedroom, preferably not a bedroom at all. Not the main living room either, or living area, whatever you call it. But it's in one area where there is a TV. Not 15,000 of them throughout the house so you can just walk through and switch monitors as you walk through room to room like come on come on amusing ourselves to death that book was written decades before all that 50 years ago I can't believe it that book you should read that everybody should read that book before you are a parent especially if you are a non-white person amusing ourselves to death we read Neil Postman's Stupid Talk, Crazy Talk, which is important, but amusing ourselves to death, particularly for non-white people, we are addicted to fantasy. We need reality. Kudos on, uh, I guess there could be work going to, or not could be, but the compassion uh, looking out for the brother of the young victim who is addicted to television uh, who you know suffers some seizures and and might have some anxiety being around a lot of people I do not suffer from seizures and also have anxiety about being around large groups of people white or non-white so I can totally 
relate to that. Um, yeah, that is. I mean, I was kind of thinking the same thing through because I think she said like the mom probably didn't want to deal with all that and anxiety. Like, man, I mean, why did you have the? T- you don't have to have the children. Can't say that enough. I mean, that is a big part of why we have not solved this problem. Throwaway children that encompasses so much. The grandsister, Dr. Francis Cresswellsing, uh, told us about all of this. But wow, you do not have to have the children reading. She doesn't even tell us. I've never heard where they just had so many books. And the child just went and grabbed all these books. He had, but just read this one to me, Bay Area. Just read this one. I love this. Is my fit. never. We don't hear that. It's always a phone, a tablet, some sort of device. And yes, ah, watch it again. Ah, yes, watch it again. Ah, yes. And it's never anything constructive. Remember, she told us about the one he was trying to kill himself. I'm going to dive off the steps. Why is he doing that? Oh, they do the dive on the... Oh, yeah. 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 (sighs) Reading. More important than watching television. I do not have children. Might not know what I'm talking about. I don't think so, at least on this one point. I would recommend no TVs in the house if you're going to have children. At minimum, it's in one room, not that child's room. Not even a room where that child is going to spend most of their time. The screen shouldn't be there. trying to use logic because we have lots and lots of victims of white supremacy who are just like that child she mentioned addicted to watching TV right now they got studies again you watching TV reduces your attention span for constructive thinking Much obliged, Bay Area Mom. I hope they are able to add, like I said, $5. $1.55. Much obliged. We have other UPS workers. If you did work there, you work there now. Folks do delivery, ride share, and you have been out, or people in general, if you've had to be outside where the heat event is taking place, let us know how you all endured. Did they look out for your safety first and foremost? Water, breaks, whatever else, you know, to make sure that everybody survived. Let us know. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate we will be here tomorrow we're normally here on saturday so no different but we will be here tomorrow white guest tim mcveigh columbine man everything is columbine everything is columbine everything is columbine name same time everything is the same just white person will be with us tomorrow 8 p.m eastern 
5 p.m. Pacific. OKC. Oh, that's Buffalo. Ooh. They filed the suit this week in Buffalo to sue the Facebook or social media companies for that old coward Peyton Gingerin, Tim McVeigh. Right in the same area. I had to go to Buffalo to know that. Tim McVeigh, that's Buffalo too. They were going to find his friends in Buffalo after the anyway, that's tomorrow. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Alrighty, let's see. Get to see if I can sprinkle in emails as we proceed, then we'll nab some of the other folks who called as well. Uh alrighty, let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, email number one until justice at gmail dot com. Uh, there we go. All right, email number one. Hi, Gus, callers and audience. Apologies if this arrives late. Had a few IT issues this evening, haven't we all? My racist ex manager hasn't left oh she pulled the okie doke she's still in the division but has moved to a temporary role until she finds another she was on a temporary promotion and was unsuccessful in the recruitment for the permanent position what a loser her old role is filled so she is now at the same level as me O.M. Jesus, oh, the shame of it all. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Oh, I bet she, oh, oh, I can't even imagine. Like, I was this nigga woman's boss, and now we are peers. You can put that in quotes, because I mean, for reals, I wouldn't care if it is a high school dropout GED custodian you are not peers if he is classified as white and he can show you better than I can tell you anyway for our circumstances now I'm not the boss I am your peer in quotes the shame the indig oh my God, oh, that has got to be the worst feel like the most excruciating experience. <laughs> oh my God, I'm ready to blow up the school. Started to do Dylan Cleveland. I'm gonna blow up the whole building. I'm blowing up the whole building. I'm not. Oh, oh, oh. She continues. Uh, this is the usual process within the organization for those on temporary promotion, but of course they can find ways to make people permanent on promotion if they really want them. She is applying for a role, so fingers crossed, she will be gone soon. Oh, <clears throat> my new black manager started this week. Let's see. She seems nice, intelligent, and serious. But of course, my racist ex-manager had an attempt at sabotage. For the past few months, I've been working on a high-profile and complex project which my ex-manager had tried to block me from getting. For the last month, I was working with a suspected racist female manager who has been replaced in the interim by a racist suspect male who I've been working with for the past week. Both these individuals have been singing my praises, which, as you have pointed out, 
is very useful when racists are on the attack. My racist ex-manager cannot leave me alone. She is so fixated on me. Last week she made up the rule that she could not sign off on my holiday leaves as she would not be my line manager this week which was co-signed by our director. They waited until Friday to confirm which messed up my plans so I had to reschedule my leave. That was probably their intention. And with a snicker the same way my man the TV addict same way he said <laughs> I was also overloaded with additional work because a request came in that required an urgent response. The racist suspect male and incompetent carry led on the project. The male was on leave, but incompetent carry returned from the conference. She was swanning around at and so logically should have picked it up but she was being slick and clean she was experiencing IT problems I just said don't we all so she could not see her emails right she finds many excuses to get out of work because she is incompetent IT problems insect bites COVID you name it the life of a hus insect bites for real like that sounds like the dog ate my <laughs> like for real like oh my god the mosquitoes like, I, woof, I need two extra days I mean what's he gonna do the mosquitoes <laughs> come on alright she says I agreed to pick up <clears throat> I agreed to pick up the response until I realized her IT was back up and running so I asked her to lead as I was not familiar with the project she then claimed she did not know anything about the specific request so I asked her if she had worked on the project the subtext being that she is better placed than me to respond she's also the lead many exclamation points she couldn't say no so then started sending me direct messages on zoom with sad faced emojis claiming she was having difficulty finding out the information from the team who submitted the request and was confused about what to do now that even because we've heard this from a number of folks when it switches whatever the platform we were talking on like if we were doing email if we were doing phone tech whatever whatever platform where we were messaging and now we have to switch hop on the dark web or whatever else where this communique is not going to be saved or this is outside our normal lines of communication all of that is I'm hmm, let me make sure I screenshot or record this screen or whatever and that's awesome hmm suspect let's see hmm she continues and the sad faced emote like are you serious are we in kindergarten she continues our director was copied into the earlier emails he responded saying he didn't mind who picked up the work and that it should only take 10 minutes I had emailed him earlier letting him know that I had not worked on the project so would need a steer as I had not been trained on the process my racist manager had given the project to the racist suspect male and incompetent carry because it is a high-profile project and would give them access to senior managers therefore raising their profile now even that 
incompetent now if she is making up excuses and late and retarded and all the rest of it deliberately so why would you want this person on a high profile project I'm sure other people are aware like man this carry chick like wow where did you the affirmative action I'm sure you can't be the only one who's not why would she be that's what I mean like you got so much of this old like cronyism and nonsense where white people willfully pick other white people who are not qualified and they continue to give them great assignments and I mean it can be important things and eh, I think Carrie's got it she's smart as a tack she could do it or at minimum she can part it off on that nigger woman continues uh, but of course <clears throat> what everyone knows and I'm not saying is that incompetent Carrie is incompetent and a fraud and cannot do anything without someone holding her hand through the task like you and I have no intention of doing that yes the toing and froing was wasting my time they love that put that underline they love that waste our time so I agreed to pick up the request but let my director know that the report I was working on which was also high priority would be delayed I completed the request what was then required was attendance at a series of meetings this week with senior managers to respond to any questions they may have the racist suspect mail was due back from leave this week so should have picked up the meetings the issue with my annual leave was resolved last Friday by my my me drawing in the racist suspect female manager I was working with on the project I am leading she intervened on my behalf my racist ex-manager then pretended that she was concerned about the deadline for the report I was working on so said the racist suspect male should attend the briefing meetings with senior managers she was really protecting the interests of the white male as he is the lead I didn't care and was glad he would take back the work she sent an email to us all confirming the handover of the work copying in my new line manager the black female however he had agreed to help another team with shortlisting for a role they are recruiting for so didn't want to attend the meetings or that was the excuse he was making he is also a fraud and barely more competent than incompetent carry it is collective ordinarily our racist ex-manager would have attended the meetings with senior managers to guide them through any questions but she is no longer our manager and I don't think he or incompetent carry are ready to be exposed as frauds so he sent me a direct message via zoom now see they didn't see 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 I don't it just seems like she doesn't tell she can if I'm wrong you can set me straight worthless Negro yeah yeah but what is this you gotta hop on the zoom and the, and the snapchat like the message with this will self-destruct once we are done like you want no incriminating evidence like I don't understand what is all that for unless you're up to some nefarious activity you know that there's something incorrect about all of this that's something else I would be really heads up about if people if you like if you normally communicate text messages email whatever however you correspond and then all of a sudden now it switches and we're on this you know we have to hop over on the zoom and uh, a quick 
couple questions or request like what what is this for we don't normally talk on zoom she correct me if I'm wrong could be an error she continues uh, asking if I could take back the work I said no as I had the urgent deadline on the report I'm working on which is already late he did not respond so I knew he was mad <laughs> get out of your fear wasn't this the dude the lead like come on man come on all the laziness lazy white people shortly afterwards I got an email from the team who had made the request I'd already emailed them saying the racist suspect male was taking over my racist ex-manager was also copied in as was the racist suspect male my racist ex-manager sends a message via zoom to us all about picking up the request then responds to my email stating that me and the racist suspect male not incompetent carry are the point of contact should any queries come up which was a change to the agreement that I should hand back the work so clearly they Voltron. I talk about that all the time, meaning all of the white. It's not you're not going to be dealing with one pipe white person. They will do some unjust networking, probably a whole lot of Zoom and Snapchat and other. Uh, you know, we'll get on the same page, get our script together about what we're going to say and how we're going to hoodwink this negress, and then we all come back out. Boom! United front Voltron effect. Continue. She also copied our new line manager to make it difficult for me to say no. I was mad. Bear in mind that racist is no longer my manager, so had no business doing what she did. Ah, business, business. I replied to the email, taking out the contact from the team who made the request and copied in the racist suspect white male who I am now reporting to on the high priority project. He and I have also been working well together, even though it's literally been a week. He knows and is responsible for my workload and the effort I am putting in. I stated that I am working to capacity that I had worked late on the Friday evening and over the weekend to complete the report I am working on and that incompetent carry and the racist suspect male are the leads and should therefore attend the briefings. Now, Ordinarily, I would not be so direct or handle things in this way, but she and the racist suspect male were playing hardball with me. That's Dr. Kamba. I have to play that code. He says that, though. I am also not prepared to work myself to death for people who are effectively loafing. That is double time important because they do this to us all the time. That's why I think it is so dangerous. It is poisonous when they talk about, oh, you know, we black people are so strong. Because sometimes it'll be even other victims say this. Uh, but we black people, we are so strong. We have survived slavery and they have lashed us and put us on ships and boats and ah, and everything else and lynched us. But we are still here in Juneteenth. And come on, man, that is nonsense. That is not even true. Uh, we are the comorbidities, COVID-19. So all of that diabetes, you can't even get Ozempic, tons of black people suffering from that, none of that is true they will do this sort of thing and totally work us into the grave and in a myriad of ways, it's the toing and froing of all of this the sabotage the setting up, I'm supposed to be on vacation and you messed me deliberately messed me over on my vacation I had to re uh, reschedule on that because they reneged you come and ask me to do all these extra projects 
mistreating me and messing over my deadlines pile more work on pile more work on they didn't she didn't tell us she got a raise you do all this extra work you don't get any extra compensation this is how you end up with and they put fancy terms on it John Henryism all the rest of it and hypertension and oh my goodness why the Negro's life expectancy this is why in my view that is black self-respect like no and you can they have apps where you can show the amount of hours that you have done the amount of time that you you know have invested in various projects I am not loafing I am working hard my time and energy is on display here you go let's have some of the other individuals who also get paid to work here they also could do some work in they're the leads on this project see that they are supposed to be in charge but they come commandeer our time and energy and have us do all the work and then when it gets to the end and it's time to go hang out they have a banquet to celebrate or what have you go with all the high profile white managers and such we're gonna go out and have a fried chicken dinner or whatever and it's all get back there nigga we'll bring you back a doggy bag or whatever we'll go out and hobnob and rub elbows and take all the credit for all this hard work that this nigga woman put in that's the sort of thing that they do and it's exactly what she said work you into the grave in my that is black self-respect like it's, you have to speak out because I mean hey none of us has infinite time and energy some of us are parents I don't have all day to sit here and work all day all night all weekend long because we got lazy carry and the rest of these folks I don't have all day I'm gonna have to speak up and say something about this bravo black self-respect she continues the racist ex-manager then emailed me taking others out of the email chain said she was concerned that I was working on my weekends and that I should speak with my new managers about this trifling heifer saw another opportunity to undermine me by making out I was not coping with my workload which I realized she would do before I sent the email I ignored her email. She is not my manager, so there is no reason for me to be communicating with her about my workload or well-being. I guess the racist suspect male has attended the briefing meetings because I've heard no more about it. Do your job. You're the lead, man. Trifling white man, too. I realized I would need to explain myself to the new manager she had by that point sat in on two meetings one was our team meeting which I chaired and the second with the two racist suspects that I am reporting to on my project so already had an indication of who I am I met with her for our intro meeting on Wednesday and I explained what had happened giving her the background on the earlier communication that I had with the racist suspect male who leads the project and the Voltroning that took place. She said she was glad that I explained as she was surprised by my email and that she had a good impression of me from the earlier meetings, so was confused. I told her that I had not been trained on the work that I picked up and that I have been interrupted throughout the week despite everyone being aware of the deadline I am working to that was why I ended up working late and over the weekend 
I told her that I had already made people aware of my workload and that usually I am happy to support others but that this is unreasonable for people to disregard when I say that I am working to capacity or consider my well-being and that they are the leads on the project exclamation points I told her what took place regarding the approval of my annual leave I questioned why if my racist ex-manager could not approve my annual leave because she would not be my manager as of this Monday gone how and why she would be allocating me work my new manager responded that is a good question I think she got the message she thanked me for explaining I apologize for having to raise these issues with her and for the fact that I did get upset during our discussion unfortunately shedding tears all of this would be stressful you know to deal with it again designed to have us at unease she continues not hysterical but exhausted which I explained and my well-being is being disregarded she asked about my relationship with others in the team I said the issue was that the racist suspect male had ignored me telling him that I was unable to pick up the work so went to the racist and that was the cause of the issue not me if that had not happened and the racist had not copied her into the email chain that I would not be raising the issue with her I said that it was quite an aggressive move on the part of my racist ex-manager and that I am not happy that a negative impression is being made of me what has worked in my favor is the fact that the white male and female that I am working with on my project have been singing my praises all week sometimes having white people sing she is doing great work that can carry can offset greatly otherwise this no good nigga woman is lazy and shiftless and she doesn't you know uh, the report I don't know, I don't know, that she sat in on the meetings and told me that the white male clearly rates me the report I was working on was submitted yesterday and my racist suspect field female director who struggles to say my name was able to do so in our directorate meeting this week she publicly praised me for the high quality of my work on the project which is extremely complex in quotes my male director who colluded with my racist manager by not approving my annual leave last week has once again praised me for my brilliant work as has the white female and male who put in writing that I have excelled on my work and remained calm under pressure Gus and Cal's audience I could barely focus because of the tiredness and aggravation but was not going to fail because of the racist attacks coming my way my racist ex-manager and saboteur has also joined in on the praise sending me emails and messages via zoom congratulating me I think it's her fake way of trying to take some credit for my achievements that have been made in spite of her I ignored her trifling behind 
On another matter, incompetent Carrie sent an email last week asking if me and the racist suspect male wanted to contribute to flowers for the racist ex-manager. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? She and Dahmer's greatest fangirl came up with this bright, in quotes, idea. This was when the racist suspect male was on leave. So he had not responded and neither did I. I ignored the message for obvious reasons. I was surprised on Monday morning by an email from the racist ex-manager thanking us for the flowers. I didn't respond. Why is she deserving of flowers? This is the loser white woman who got the temporary promotion and was so lame they didn't even hire her on. Now she's in like employment limbo, purgatory as it were, just hanging out. Why is that flowers? If we're not doing like congratulations on the promotion, like now you're just sitting around here loafing like, hmm. Work tighten up. How about that? Give her an encouragement. Be tighten up. Work harder. Uh, Thursday afternoon, I missed the catch-up meeting with incompetent Carrie, the racist suspect male who I shall call the RNB King from here on. I'll explain next week. And Dahmer's greatest fangirl. I was tired after submitting the report I was working on and would struggle to be civil or fake after the sabotage and racism they put me through so avoided conflict by not attending even though I'm sure they would have something to say about my absence. I could care less there's no agenda for these meetings. It's just gossip. Oh God. See, they do. I have been I've been in work situations we're supposed to be having serious work meetings. There's like an itinerary we do legitimately have things to do and we just end up sitting around gossip hours, sometimes two hours. Did you see what he had? Did you know they were having an affair? How many children did they? And then they get to the last five minutes. Oh yes, yes. The agenda let me see. Did the did Where's my beer? Okay, we got uh, the agenda. We'll put that on. We'll put that on table next week. Yes. Uh, okay, we'll do next week. Thank you. Good meeting. Great meeting, everybody. No gossiping is in the ten stops. Uh, let's see. I also had a feeling Carrie would ask about the money for the flowers. She sent a message via Zoom chat asking again if me and the R&B King want to contribute to the flowers we should let her know I ignored her again I think the R&B King has already responded but that she used his name so it wouldn't be obvious that she's asking me for money the racist ex-manager is her idol not mine and she was not a good manager to me if they want to buy her flowers fine leave me out of it I am now on leave for a few days we'll work on Tuesday then off for the rest of the week bravo like I'm sorry you had to endure so much uh, terrorism uh, through all of this and all the way back to the them reneging with the vacation days because I mean that's huge who knows you know what you had planned for that time period and just to be able to replenish is super important and then all of this from a lot of trifling unqualified it sounds like individuals classified as white uh, but I'm so thankful that you were able to stand up for yourself make a good impression with the new 
black manager. Uh, and I seriously think at least a small portion of this, the white woman, she's got to get involved. And, you know, it's, it's a shame that you can't handle your workload. And maybe you can get yourself together and be more diligent to help. She's got to get that because I mean, really, for her, this has got to be so humiliating. Like, I've been here sabotaging and bossing this nigga woman around, and now we're peers. Oh, the disgrace and the God knowing that they're going to be gossiping about me. And I'm getting every racist joke, anything that I can do. Like, oh my God, she is, she probably feels about as bad as you. Like, with all the turmoil that you went through, they had to come back with that sort of embarrassment. I got to hang out here, and everybody knows I didn't get the promotion. I'm a lame old loser white woman just like incompetent Carrie that's why she's going to be trying to anything I can do to stick it to I'm going to that's why I told vindictive I've seen that throughout my life nobody they should have a picture of a white woman in the dictionary next to the word vindictive call it V for vendetta they should have got a white woman to play that part too uh, the number again much obliged for the email 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate Z's mommy with us as well uh, if you have commentary proceed can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers. Um, I I really appreciate the person who you read the email from because there's just so much detail in terms of the specific interactions that she's having with her coworkers, and it's so good because it helps me, and I'm assuming a lot of other non-white people really understand and see how racism functions in the workplace because, you know, it's very refined. And so if you're not noticing these instances and these interactions that you're having and you're not putting it in the right context, you won't really see it. So every time that this person um, emails, it's I, I find it to be, like, very, very instructive. Um, I would say, like, um, for me, it was really sad to hear that they had to work um, like that Friday and through the weekend, but I really appreciated that. I think it's a she. I just want to make sure. But I, I really appreciate that she, um, so like basically said, you know, set her boundaries about, hey, I'm being overworked. Um, I, I think that was really good. It's really, I don't know if this person is like salaried or not, but it's one of the things they love to do is like to put, especially like non white people on salary and then guilt them into like, overworking and not having certain boundaries um for me like even if i'm salaried like it still says on my you know like policies and procedures that i come to work at a certain time and then i leave and after that i actually like don't have my emails on my phone or anything once i leave i'm it's like unless you have my personal number which only a person who's like specifically on a project with me will have or has been on site with me will have that's the only time that somebody can reach me and that's and I even put on like every time that I'm out of the office 
it says on my like Outlook calendar, like out of office, only contact for like emergencies. And another thing that's really frustrating is a lot of these white people at these jobs, they consider every little thing to be an emergency. And they like make small things, large problems that you, that like they want you to stress about. And it's, and I have to set that boundary, like, hey, this is not something that should cause this amount of stress. Like, this is something that we can find a solution for, but we don't have to, like, you know, exist in this state of, like, terror over this problem. So I noticed that that's a way that they can, like, guilt non-white people into, like, working extra hours or coming in and stuff like that is, like, making everything seem like the whole company is, like gonna go bankrupt if they don't fix this one small problem especially when you understand the system i can only give so much energy to these corporations run by these white people that are really doing a lot of damage to society and especially to non-white people so i give what i'm obligated to give and no more because like you were saying i have offspring like that's way more important to me um Another thing I wanted to bring up was about the heat wave. I thought that was interesting. Where I am, it's not hot, but I had to drive a little bit, like, inland. And it was, like, probably, I think it got to, like, 99. And so I had to stop because there was a lot of traffic. I went to get, like, like an acai bowl, like a smoothie. And I went into this, um, to this, like, shop. And there was a only, there was, I think there was two employees. The moment I walked in, I was like, wow, there's no AC in this place. And the poor person, not, not poor, but like, it's just unfortunate seeing this person working. Like, you could just see all of the sweat on his, like, face, on his forehead. And like I was like, well, I don't really want that in my food. <laughs> so I didn't stay. I, I left. But like, I'm thinking of at least contacting their like the actual company and being like, hey, I was in here and there's no AC for your employees. Like, what is going on? They didn't they didn't even have a fan. I mean, it was so hot in there. And so I went to another place and it was the same. No AC. The employee is like sweating, like, and very. It's like it's it's so hot in there that. I think there's, like, one side where they sell, like, the acai bowls and smoothies and another side where they sell, like, dairy and meat products. And you can smell the spoiled meat or, like, spoiled dairy or something. And, again, I just felt like, oh, this is, like, it was just so incorrect. One, because it's probably not healthy to eat the food, but just that people have to exist in those conditions with that type of, heat and the type of working conditions and I remember just telling like my daughter like the people who own this place would probably not even be here for like 10 minutes before they have to leave but they're making this person stay here for possibly eight hours so um, that's all I wanted to bring up right now but I and another thing is when I go on site for my projects for my company, we have to drive pretty far out, and it's very hot there. There, it's definitely triple digits, like 109 or so. Um, 
everything is like AC and but it's one of those places where you can't do anything outside like you have to stay indoors and I mean there's a lot of things that are really incorrect about the site that I've worked on in terms of like what I see but a lot of the trailers for people who do like construction they don't have AC a lot of times they don't have um like proper plumbing or anything like that either so it's but it's just unfortunate to think like there's certain places in the world where people really can't even stay outside for long when you think about just how like how dis like how much discomfort and mental like instability comes from staying inside for so long not getting fresh air not being able to just like go on walks and things like that and a lot of these places have non-white people because they can't afford to live in places that have better weather. So it's just very, very unfortunate. Um, I think that's all I have to say for now. Thank you. Much obliged, Z's mommy. Uh, gratitude for our female caller. Yes, female who uh, wrote in. I think it's uh, informative for everyone. Um, writing one professional writing and then just being able to pick out as you said the details you can kind of understand these interactions and the nuance being able to pick up oh they seems like that's a pattern where they hop on the app the hidden app if they got to do some old uh, suspicious requesting commenting where they you know want to try and decrease the likelihood of there being a record and some of the other details to see those sort of patterns just writing things out can be very helpful um, and even just processing what has uh, taken place and it's certainly helpful for the other folks uh, to read so, so many people say oh man they do the same thing to me and stringing me out and all of that and just hearing about boundary setting that is so important for all of us the workplace in life period but definitely uh, in the workplace because that is standard operating procedure uh, see if we can get these black people and then milk every second of time and energy out of them that we possibly can that's what we heard with the UPS driver have them part time 25 years and they're still waiting Bob Marley in vain hoping to get full time not gonna have was it never gonna get it but boundary setting so important kudos again uh, we, so we got different report on the heat now here in Seattle Washington there are also many establishments that don't have air conditioning but I told you here the average summertime high at the peak is under 80 so eh, yeah you do have a lot of places that don't have AC here uh, but California, that is not the case. Wow. I cannot imagine uh, being in some of those locations. And you might have to be there for eight hours, nine hours. Who knows how long the shift is. Uh, if you're in one of those establishments where they're cooking red meat and other products. Oh, man. That means you got to have, I would suspect, uh, an oven, a fryer, something uh, to heat all of that up. Wow. Wow. The te- oh, man. 
I cannot even, I mean, that just sounds grueling uh, to have to endure that for, like I said, eight hours, nine hours. That's not even counting the folks that have to, man, they do Uber, DoorDash, anything like that. People got to go out in that heat and then go out and drive. And she said the traffic, you got to go out and do all that, even if you're on a bike. Oh, God. Man. Safety. I cannot imagine that being safe. It sounds like something. I would get a heat stroke just thinking about that. Like, man, do you get water breaks there? Man. Uh, and the un- or the unsafe environment uh, of that where you can't really do anything once it gets to that temperature. And that could be even be added if the pollution is bad and all the rest of it uh, if you don't have trees and all the rest of it if you have asthma and man you are just stuck in the house with the hope that they have air conditioning and hopefully parents are compensated enough that they can keep the AC on for an extended period until it cools down hope something good is on TV got some good books safety safety and white people they do so much to destroy the planet and contribute to what they call these extreme weather events and they sit around in the AC which further damaging everything uh, and we suffer through that and don't even have trees to suffer through all of this much obliged uh, Z's mom lifetime workers uh, I said if we have folks out there if you are driving delivery driver any of those folks ride share uh, or whatever your work capacity landscape I don't know where you would be outside for this let us know did they look out for your safety and well-being uh, within all of this uh, you know they have water and everything else to make sure you got through it or was it you know reckless whatever get through it the best you can let us know number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate I guess if people if they're in other parts of the world if you're the archive you can write in until justice at gmail.com what is the work situation like in other parts of the world they have these extreme weather events in other places so what do they do to ensure worker safety in, I don't know, pick the location, Thailand, Fiji, France, I don't like pick the location. What do they do to make sure everybody's got water and ice, ice cream, whatever else, shade, shaded parking, you know, do they look out for folks in other places or at the same type of experience over there that would be good too if you're listening outside the states you can email until justice at gmail.com and let us know drink more water let's see other folks have commentary to share no spectating like I said if you have figured it out they have hooked it up got you a smoothie uh, cards so that you can go and be refreshed and well hydrated through all of this let us know how did you accomplish this? We want a copy. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Folks are spectating. We'll give folks a few more minutes to share. Star 6-1 if you have observations, questions, suggestions to share. 
again we will be here on Saturday normally but we'll just have a white person we will be chatting it up about the bombing OKC how all of that relates to Columbine and the system of white supremacy racism whole decade of white bombers competing with and related to each other and most of them ending up in Colorado who would have thought let's see but that'll be 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific and then we'll even get to revisit Columbine with a different white expert on Monday Uh, so we'll be here uh, tomorrow not Sunday but Monday Saturday Monday same time 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific white guests both times different subjects OKC bombing and then Columbine all related same thing April 19 just picking a different uh, year for it anywho uh, let's see oh man the Uber report that was what I meant to share we'll give folks a few minutes while I get my Uber report and see if they're uh, spectating this is from Minnesota shout to George Floyd woman chart white woman charged in viral video of racist rant directed at Uber driver a Minneapolis woman has been charged after a video showed her using racist slurs towards a black Uber driver and telling the police that he assaulted her the incident which happened more than a year ago recently garnered renewed attention as video posted by the Uber driver on YouTube went viral charging documents say Jill Burkist faces one count of misdemeanor disorderly conduct according to the criminal complaint Burkist kicked the driver's car yelled racist attacks at the man and said I'm white I live here black people don't live here end quote who is ignorant about racism anywho Minneapolis police were dispatched to the 2300 block of Hennepin Avenue South at 10.47 p.m. on April 1, 2022. No fooling. After Burkist called 911 and claimed, a black man punched me. Burkist was targeting racial slurs at the man throughout the 911 call, prompting the operator to tell her to stop, according to the criminal complaint. Upon arrival, officers found Burkist continued to scream racist language at the driver. Burkis told officers the driver struck her on the left side of the face at the time telling officers that it was the only injury she suffered. According to the complaint, the officers didn't observe any injuries, but Burkis told them she wanted the driver charged with everything. She later contacted the MPD and sent them videos and images for the officers to review and reiterated her claim that the Uber driver punched her, but this time said she was struck on the right side of her face. Police said a review of the video did not support her claims of being assaulted, but did show her kicking the driver's car while using racist slurs and threats of violence towards him. Oh, and they have the video. They have the video. I love it. But now she has been charged. I love it. Uh, This is what I said in terms about having uh, an extensive code and even thinking, dang, is all this worth it to do ride share? But it would have to be an extensive code. What am I going to do to keep myself safe? 
there doesn't appear to be a divider between them which is generally the case for people who do ride share 1047 at night she could have been under the influence who knows but she hops in and all of this you try to cancel the ride and and move on and now you are being accused and have to defend yourself from accusations that's what I mean like it would have to be mandatory a camera maybe several of them in the vehicle audio every this could have been a totally different situation if he did not have video evidence to show no we just have an old lying white woman what's uh Emmett Till uh, uh Catherine Bryant uh I'm thinking her uh maiden name Dunham there it is Carolyn Bryant Dunham that's what I was thinking of the Donna part that D always anyway Carolyn Bryant Donham. we've got generations of this where these white women can come and lie oh you know he punched me in the face he did the old Mike Tyson on me you know if you don't have evidence oh man it would have to be mandatory uh, and probably a whole lot else like oh man once it even seems like there could be a problem and all the rest of it do I want to get to a place that's because I mean man you could be out on a highway or something where it's not really any lighting there's no place to pull over anything like oh man lots to consider if you do ride share it would have to be an extensive code what do I do for this sort of situation and even in advance is this worth it she kicked his car and everything we talked about that the wear and tear on your on your vehicle you didn't think about that like dang race soldiers stomping and kicking my car that's wear and tear, right? Number is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Give folks another uh yeah. Three minutes or so. See if they have commentary to share. Do not wait till the last minute if you have questions and or observations to share. Uh let us hopefully everybody made it back from uh what you call it July fourth last week without any unnecessary issues, racist jokes. If you all have to do the god awful employee barbecue, I've had to attend one or three of those myself. Uh it would be the same code for that. I'm going. I'm sober. They know they have to have liquor and refreshments in quotes at some of these. I would be sober. If they're doing it during work time, fine. We go. I'm sober. Observe. I am behaved. We have to stay for whatever the time is. Fine. If you don't have to be there the whole time, you figure out how long you're going to stay. Deuces. But I'm not going. I would not do any sort of athletic events because they'll have like uh, home run like softball games and all of that I'm not doing no athletic competitions anything like that messing around out here and blow out my ACL y'all have me uh, up at some meme at work for the next five years I don't even work here anymore and they'll have me blowing out my like come on nah I did not I did not sign up to do softball I wouldn't care if I was like the softball king <laughs> like in my neighborhood or whatever the case I'm not doing no softball tennis basketball pickleball I'm good I'm good 
I'm going to have my ice water, spot in the shade. I'm kicking it, but yeah, I'm not coming out here to do any sort of rigorous activity. And we got all this heat now, too. You know, even I guess you could be California where they got cool weather or here. We got nice weather. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> let's, let's do the snacks. Let's stay hydrated. Let's stay safe. And keep an eye on my watch so that we can, you know, get out of here in a prompt manner. Uh, let's see. Folks who dialed in that we missed totally, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, Gus. This is Mama C and Woke Baby. I'm going to try my best to get through this share um, before the baby, you know, starts crying or whatever. Okay. So, hello, Gus. Hello, Cal's listeners. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I wanted to share uh, a little short story. Um, I work with my job. Um, I do contract work, and my job is to connect families with birth doulas, postpartum doulas, and a variety of birth preparation and parenting classes in Los Angeles. So I referred a family who was in immediate need of assistance for their, um, it was a nephew and then a grandchild and then a son. So just keep that in mind. A whole bunch of family members contacting this one agency to um, get postpartum care, nighttime postpartum care for the family. So I received a message initially from the aunt of the baby, and she went into detail about um, the condition that the baby had a, a birth injury. Um, the baby was born like three weeks early. I'm not sure if it was like an induction or something, but during the birth, the actual delivery of the baby, um, the baby suffered from hypoxic, um, ischemic, encephalopathy, something like that, but HIE, which is a birth injury. And that just means that the brain um, did not receive enough oxygen at birth. And for whatever reason, um, he suffered this birth, birth injuries. Maybe it was um, related with the birthing um, hospital staff or something, umbilical cord, I don't know. Um, but he ended up with cerebral palsy. So just keep that in mind. The baby had a birth injury. Now he has cerebral palsy. So he was in the NICU for three weeks, one week in the pediatric hospital. And this family, um, the mother of or the grandmother of the baby um, ended up contacting me um, as well. And she wanted to gift postpartum uh, doula care to the son and the daughter-in-law. Um, and she was willing to pay $2,000 to get it. So, you know, I get a well done because I'm doing my job, connected this family with uh, the postpartum doula that fit what they needed, and the doula gets paid. Everybody is like, hooray, all is well. Then, uh, I think it was July 5th, so right after the non-holiday, um, I received a phone call from the doula, and this birth and postpartum doula is one of our best doulas. She's She's very attentive, she's kind, she's very sweet, intentional, um, and just just overall just thoughtful. So 
all the doulas in this agency, this referral agency, they're independent contractors, so they set their service area, they set their pricing, their service offering, availability, packages, contracts, everything. So I don't have any of that information. I can just go on what the client said or what the doula has said. So I received the phone call from this doula. She is a black, non-white female, and she's one of our doulas that's in the highest demand. She gets booked months in advance. She's a licensed massage therapist, which is one of the reasons why I think this family um, with the son with the birth defect and cerebral palsy, they booked her because they wanted those baby massages. The doula called me. She was frantic. She was very upset, frustrated, um, because it turns out that the father of the baby, um, he tried to ruin this black person's business. And he tried to do it by sharing a one-star review on Yelp and then sharing a one-star review on Google. And if you don't have a lot of reviews um, on Yelp or Google, it looks really bad if you have a one-star. You could have you could have like ten five-star reviews, but if you have that one-star, everybody loves the juicy tidbits and the drama of the one-star review, and they'll go out of their way to read the terrible stuff and not, you know, definitely overlook the five stars or what was what's good about your business. Nobody cares about that. They just want to know what, what did you mess up? What did you do bad? Um, so she called me. She was very upset. She explained the situation. You know, she and the man, um, the father of the baby, they had an interview, and the interview went great. And so he decided to proceed, book the service for $2,000, and then maybe hours later, maybe like four or five hours later, um, she sent over the contract, he read over it, and then he was like, I want all my money back. You misled me. There's nothing in here about um, the baby massages, and you're you're trying to um, you're trying to charge me for a service that should be included in your package, and you lied to me, blah, 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 blah. And she was trying to explain to him, like, you're not paying any extra for the baby massages because it's already included. Well, he didn't care. He just wanted his money, well, his mother's money back and all this kind of stuff. And she didn't She didn't um, get upset or anything. She was just like, okay, well, I'll refund you the money, but it is a holiday, you know, on the 3rd of July. Bank is closed. You know, it is a holiday. I'm trying to rectify the situation. I would like to move forward with you guys, but if you want the money back, whatever. Um, so she refunds the money to the mother he threatened to um, pursue legal legal means to um, take her to, like, small claims court and, like, try to ruin her reputation and all that. And, again, she's very upset because, you know, this is going to reflect poorly and then potentially damage, damage um, everything that she's built in her business and, you know, positive client interactions. And I, I tried to, you know put it in perspective because same thing happened to us, you know, that one-star review, trying to ruin our business, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I was just like, um, there's there's a couple things that people can do if they own a business and somebody's trying to sabotage them. Yes, you can, you can do what this doula did, which is rectify the situation, give them their money back, you know, um, listen to what they want, try to fix the situation. But if that doesn't work, then you can leverage people who who want to see you succeed and do well, and you can ask them to write 
positive reviews. And I gave I gave her an example that I shared on the cows several several months ago about a local business here. You know, they got like somebody was trying to share like eight or ten negative reviews and then they ended up getting like fifty positive reviews and they buried those negative reviews and were able to get Google or Yelp or whatever to remove the negative reviews. So I told I told her you could bury it. You uh, take some time this week or this weekend to um, craft, compose a, a thoughtful response because, um, again, p- prospective clients are looking for the drama, the one star, and they want to see how you respond. And if you respond in a way that's um, yeah. like very reactive and emotional, then it's going to look even worse. So I, I told her, you know, respond as best as you can from a place of neutrality. State the facts. Make sure you tell them that you have refunded the money. There was a misunderstanding, um, but you know you're not you're not going to um, play into what he's trying to do. Play into the trap, which is to get a reactive response. And I tried to explain to her that on Google, if you go around posting like a whole bunch of negative reviews, um, other people can check out your Google profile and see how you've, um, your history of reviews. So any business that you leave, um, five-star, three-star, one-star reviews, everybody can see your reviews. They're all public. Um, and you can kind of get a good, um, good idea of what people are interested in, how they write, if they only write five-star reviews or if they only write one-star reviews. And I was able to see his history and see that he not only wrote this doula, this undeserving person, a one-star review, but he also wrote the hospital one-star review. And I tried to explain to her that when people are hurting, they try to go around and hurt other people. And this doula, again, I don't think she did anything incorrect. She's very... Very professional, but um, but she just had to receive some of that hurt that he was experiencing because, you know, his son suffered a birth defect. Um, hopefully it was nobody's fault, but he's going to try to blame the entire world for it. And, you know, this is a white man, and this is his first child, his first white son, and now he feels like there's an issue, and so he's got to take it out on everybody. And, again, black female, white male, you know, she she was in a position to refund the money. She's in good standing as a business, and he's trying to destroy her. Well, I just thought, okay, give her some time. This is going to resolve itself. If she needs me to step in and kind of leverage my position um, with the mom and or the grandma and the aunt, I could and, you know, just kind of ask them to um, kind of put pressure on him to re- uh, remove that review those negative reviews because it's very biased, it's very reactive. Um, but she didn't want that at that time, so I respected that. Um, I called uh, or checked in, just sent a text message about a week later, and it turned out that this man, the white man, even though the doula refunded the full amount of money back to the family, this man FaceTimed her at like 10 o'clock at night and was trying to, like, harass her. Uh, she didn't take the call or anything, but she felt unsafe. 
Um, she felt like maybe he was trying to figure out where she was to try to like hurt her or something. And I asked her, I was like, do you feel like you're, you're in danger? And she said, yes. So I don't know how this is going to unfold, but I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I just wanted to share that. And if anybody has a, a business, um, oh, if, if anyone has a business, you know, just be careful. Um, even though we don't have, technically don't have bosses, these these people think, these clients think that they are our bosses and they can kind of uh, manipulate the situation and try to ruin, you know, 10 years worth of business building. Um, but just just be mindful. Like, don't, don't let your response destroy everything that you worked for because that's what they want. They want to be able to control you or be able to ruin your day and all that. I, I think non-Clemson dad wants to share something as well. So, um, Hello, everyone. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Just uh, one quick story to report inside our um, dance business. This happened, um, I think, earlier this week. Uh, one of our um, clients, you know, she's about to have her first grandchild, and we think she's in her 70s. Um, um, and her uh, daughter-in-law, I think, is in, uh, 43 years old. And what was interesting about this is that even though the daughter is um, 43 years old, this is the daughter's first child, first grandchild, apparently this was in vitro um, fertilization, and um, they spent $250,000 um, trying to get pregnant, and the baby is about to be born at the end of this month. And one of the things that the woman reported to me is that, for example, the woman has put on a significant amount of weight, so much so that she's actually experiencing diabetes inside of the preg- pregnancy. Now, the people I'm talking about, this is a, uh, a Jewish, a white Jewish woman, and, you know, I'm assuming her kids are, are, are also white and Jewish. You know, I don't know them particularly well other than just the, um, the, the the client. And, you know, these are some of the interesting things that some, um, you know, some of our clients tell us, but, you know, I can help but the wonder, 250K. I don't know a lot of people with that kind of money, and she, they clearly had the money, but I, that's a lot of money just trying to get pregnant. And not just that, she did it at a very advanced age. And I do wonder well, if they wanted another child, would they have to spend that much money again or let alone um, – is she even in an um, age demographic to even get pregnant again if she wanted to? Also, um, even though um, the um, the egg that was used was from a, um, another woman, a completely different woman, but it was the biological son, my client's son's um, sperm. But um, the daughter-in-law is the one carrying the baby to term. So that was a very interesting story. It also makes me wonder, the woman who presided, um, offered the egg apparently she was about 25 years old and i can't help but wonder how much money she would have made in such a transaction but with that i will mute my uh mute the line wow that's uh 250k is quarter mil i mean that's wow that is a lot wow i don't know how many I don't know how many non-white people who would be interested in having children if it was really a struggle and sperm is lazy or whatever. It's not working out. They would have 250K 
laying around or they have some aunts and uncles, cousins that they could call and harass and scrap together 250k to hey we we going to get find us a right fertile 25 year old and snatch one of her eggs and get the spore i guess he said it was the client sperm so okay the sperm is not lazy bang got that and boom get take it a turn the dog i mean wow wow that is uh that cousins white community wow wow that is amazing bet they don't have televisions all over the house 250k uh let's oh mama c she started off woke baby cooperated let us hear from both parents uh man it is tough being a negro entrepreneur lots of tough being a parent too um sounded like good suggestions that she gave out um hopefully things can calm down a bit and maybe uh he'll be willing to do some editing of those reviews and all of that like yeah maybe calmer heads eventually but man that is uh mm. That is tough. It is hard for for black entrepreneurs, for non-white entrepreneurs in total, but particularly for black entrepreneurs. Um, good suggestion about seeing if you can get other people who appreciated her services to make sure they get on there and write an enthusiastic five-star review so that it is totally smothered by all of the yumminess of what people have to say about her services but uh yeah that is rough I, we've heard that a few times white people seem to be really again to have a community so they can easily get folks together she told us about that when to get folks together and get that taken down and all the rest of it but man especially if you're just starting out and everything and and don't have all of that social capital to rally like wow that can be uh man hopefully but yeah it sounds like you did a did the best you could or doing the best you can to try to, to mitigate this for all parties concerned. Um, yeah, hopefully given some time can calm down and release a little bit, be willing to let all of that go. And, uh, she can go on her merry way, providing excellent services, baby massages. Isn't that awesome? Providing more great services, uh, for folks who are in need. They have all those reports, right? About postpartum depression, and uh, maternal mortality rates uh, in this part of the world in particular. So those services would be especially needed, should be encouraging folks like that to get out there and do that work, help those mommies and babies and families and all the rest of it. Uh, let's see. Much obliged, Mama C, non-Clemson dad, woke baby. Uh, other folks who dialed in that we have not heard from, if you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you've been saying all of the correct things uh, about uh, safety preventions uh, in the uh, hot weather. Uh, I've been in South Florida all of my life, so I'm quite used to it. Uh, I don't, I don't notice much of a difference with, uh, 
the uh, national news reports. As a matter of fact, uh, some sometime between tomorrow and Sunday, I will be outside cutting cutting the yard uh, in itself. Uh, and there is a considerable number of people in Miami-Dade County who is quite used to uh, the uh, temperature, the temperature uh, in South Florida, even if even if they were not born here, uh, because for the most part they're either from the Caribbean or South or Central America, which uh, has similar similar uh, temperatures, uh, and in none of those places that I know of does it snow. <laughs> Uh, but I would say that, uh, uh, they have been, uh, uh, taking, uh, extra precautions, you know, with water. Uh, there's a certain type of clothing that you, uh, wear in hot temperatures. And most people would think they would wear less things, but actually, uh, long sleeve uh clothing is a proper uh apparel uh to wear in such weather something about uh your sweating and how it uh actually gets a little cooler the water that comes out of your body uh while it's inside of that that uh apparel uh, for the most part with non white people who are rich classified as black that are outside. It is those jobs that I mentioned before, uh, I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, public works type of jobs, that sort of thing. Uh, there still is a lot of, uh, black people who have their own, uh, private, uh, lawn maintenance businesses. Uh, and, uh, as I mentioned before, even, even the, even the, "Quote unquote immigrants uh, who come in here, uh, they're 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 used to the weather. I mean, even in historical Richmond Heights where I grew up at, uh, uh, I we didn't have an air we didn't have air conditioning. Those homes were not built with air conditions in it, uh, and we didn't get an air conditioning into the house that I grew up in until after I was already on the fire department." <laughs> and had uh, my own place and uh that was after hurricane andrew and that was because the home was destroyed so to speak to whereas you can now put central air condition inside the house uh although it would not have been practical to do that before with the original homes uh but uh a little bit of a little bit of extra precaution of safety and uh, basic things are usual down here. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the sea water is a little bit warmer, they say. Uh, but uh, I don't think anything is drastically unusual, you know, down here. I always thought when I went to college, the two places I went to, that it was much more harder, like in Oklahoma, you know, uh, with that, dry that dry heat and you know you turn on a fan and it's blowing hot air 
you know. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, that's my report. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, temperature, current temperature in Miami is 81 degrees, so that is not quite heat wave. Uh, I think he did say it was temperature weather as usual, 81, that typical uh, Miami weather this time of year. I guess especially at night, it was probably a little bit warmer earlier today, but 81 degrees in Miami. I guess they're not having the, the heat wave, at least currently, that some of the other places are going through. It looks like they're having normal weather in South Florida right now. Anywho, uh, nab everybody and see any other uh, folks with a hand. Uh, we will be here tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and then again on Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, white guests only. Looking forward. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else? You can check for updates. Always you can check the Twitter, at Until Justice, uh, Facebook there as well for social media. Perhaps I'll try out threads, see, you know, if it's worth it. I'm no fan of the social media, but maybe just to make it easier to share the program. Um, but we're at Until Justice for Twitter. You can check Facebook for the groups, all of the updates. Uh, again, for people who share the program via Stitcher, individuals classified as white are discontinuing that app at the end of August. So, many other outlets they include but are not limited to Apple Podcasts Spotify Amazon Music Podbean Podchaser YouTube I think six is sufficient for right now correct and then there are other outlets as well wherever you get your podcast but those are I think six that people are familiar with one of those six should work if it does not drop an email until justice at gmail.com listener supported counter racist radio hit the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button is in the top right corner Beneath the button, you'll see the links for Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. The Cash App address, cash.app forward slash dollar sign, the cows. Huge thanks to all the folks who have invested, kept us on the air for 14 plus years. Drink more water, eat some watermelon. Uh, some honeydew, cantaloupe, some of those uh, fruits that have a little bit more electrolytes, a little bit more water content uh, so that you can rehydrate, stay safe out there. It's supposed to be really warm in some places uh, over the weekend as well. So I guess I'll give out our PSAs about water and staying safe with the folks who are in the high heat areas uh, as we broadcast through the weekend. Anywho, much obliged to all of the folks who wrote in, 
called in, hopefully worthy of your, I guess, warm, relatively, Friday evening, sobriety would be best. Under conditions of white supremacy racism, uh, we need all of our brain computers working correctly to get this problem solved ASAP. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No gossiping. No name-calling. No throwaway offspring. That even includes you produce the offspring and then just throw them to the screens. Have at the YouTube. Get that Netflix. Watch it up, man. I got things to do. That also counts as throw away children. Screens are not parents. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Yeah, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.